So we thank you, Lord. Thank you for this uh, beautiful moment when we can ponder your word and respond to you, Lord, who speaks to us in these days. Thank you, Jesus. We never leave your people without a word of strength and encouragement. We praise your name. Well, Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will... Hey, praise the Lord, we're all Catholic. (laughs) So Christ will come again. Yes, the second coming of the Lord. We don't spend much time thinking about that, do we? But this time of the year we always have it presented to us. That when he came at the beginning, in the first coming, it was a humble, sacrificial lamb who went to the slaughter for our sake. But when he comes again, he will come in glory as the mighty king on the clouds of heaven to judge the living and the dead. And it will be an unexpected thing The Gospels tell us that when we least expect, like a trap that comes when you least expect it to catch it, that's what it will be like. People will be going about their business, just doing the things they normally do, and then the Lord will come again. And we're told too that it will be preceded by a time of tribulation on the earth. There's been many times in history when people have thought the tribulation has been so great, the Lord must be coming. (laughs) But it seems like it has to be greater than it has been so far. When we look at our world today and we wonder, maybe the Lord will come tomorrow, consider our tribulation around the world. But we're not to try to predict. Jesus is very clear. We're not to know the times and the dates. That's what it's about. It's not about that. We're simply to be ready for when that time will come, by living holy lives and and, and a righteous way of life. To live as if today was the day. We're meant to have that sort of perspective which would sharpen you up. If your personal death you knew was to be tomorrow, you'd be sharpening up your life, wouldn't you? Amen, so would I. But but we're sort of trusting that's not going to happen. The Lord will give us more time, but we don't know. So we, are, we cannot predict. What we are told to in the scriptures, and today's uh, gospel tells us very clearly, that before all this happens, though, there will be a time of persecution. Before all this happens, there'll be a time when there'll be widespread desertion of the faith. And Jesus says, don't be afraid when that happens. But rather lift up your heads, for your redemption is near at hand. So when we hear this message of the second coming of the Lord, certainly it's meant to make us ready in our own personal lives, but also it should put into us a bit of an urgency in the spirit for the proclamation of the gospel. An urgency in the spirit to be a witness in today's world of what the world most needs. Because in today's world, you're well aware that there is a great apostasy that is like a turning away from the faith. 
Many people have, have left and abandoned faith in God that they might have had as a child. There's what the fathers of the council called a tsunami of secularism. A tsunami of secularism. Where people are walking around without light, without the light of God, walking around are lost, unable to find their bearings in today's world because they've lost God. And that leads to humanity losing its real identity. And so we have this crisis in the Western world in particular, where there's been a rejection of the natural law that's written on human hearts. And the ideologies that prevail are ideologies uh, that are about confusion of gender identity, confusion of what it truly means to be married, confusion about the sanctity of human life, Because when a society loses God, it loses the knowledge of who we are as human beings and cannot define the human being anymore. We can only be defined in terms of our relationship with God. That's the problem. So we're in a time where there is need for a word of clarity in the midst of confusion, a need for truth in the midst of the lies of Satan, A need for fortitude, not to give up when we sort of are in the middle of this mess and to think that we're all going down the tube, we'll all be ruined, says Hanrahan. We may as well just give up on the whole thing, pull the plug. No. It's a time when we can be full of hope in the Lord because he will come again. And we're meant to live with the awareness of that and to shape our own lives and to witness into our lives uh, the truth of who Christ is, who is the Lord of all history. He's the beginning and the end of all things. Everything was begun through him and everything is heading towards him. All of history can only find its meaning and purpose in Christ. And the greatest moment in history was when Christ hung on that cross for our sake, when he was raised from the dead for our our justification. This is the truth, and we know this. And this is where the world will find its meaning, in the person of Jesus Christ. But the reality is that before he comes again, as he told us, Christians will be persecuted. Now we live in an era of great persecution of the Christian church. In the 20th century, there were more Christians put to death for their faith than there have been in any, all the other centuries since Christ walked the face of the earth. There are estimated 100,000 martyrs every year. Some would take it up to 150,000. So during the course of this homily, there's probably going to be someone martyred for their faith. Depends on how long I go for. But, um, and then there's 139 countries, that's two-thirds of the countries in the world, where there is outright discrimination against Christianity. We live in a difficult world 
But Jesus said, in the world you'll have trouble, but remember I have overcome the world. The victory is already Christ. And we don't trumpet that in a way that uh, is arrogant, but simply from the depth of our knowledge of who Jesus is and what place he has in the history of the world. But he did say to us, you'll be hated. You heard it, didn't you? You'll be hated by all on account of my name. You'll be hated. And another part of the, in John's Gospel, he says, you know, if they hated me, they'll hate you also. If they persecute me, they'll persecute you also. And that's exactly what happens. He says they'll seize you and bring you before kings and governors, but when it happens, don't worry what you have to say. Because you'll be given the eloquence and the wisdom. You'll be given the words that I will give to you to proclaim the truth. Now you may not be dramatically hauled before kings and governors. That used to happen. It doesn't happen that much in our circumstances today, but it does happen in other countries. But you will be called to account for your faith. One way or another, you'll be called to witness. And what we need today is witnesses who have fortitude of heart. Because we're called to witness and that we'll stand for what is righteous in today's world, unafraid and unashamed and unabashed, because we know that's what's good for humanity. We won't back down. Just because we're under pressure. You know, one of the most beautiful testimonies I've heard in recent times was from a, a bishop uh, at the charismatic priest retreat in the Lateran Basilica of Rome uh, last year. And he is a bishop of a place called Morayo in Brazil. His name is Bishop Jose Luiz Azcona. I think that's how you say it. Now he witnessed to having had two Pentecost experiences. Two Pentecost experiences. The first one was as you might expect, in a sense. His first Pentecost experience happened on a retreat when he was in Spain, uh, after having a, a break back from his uh, work in South America. And it was before he was a bishop. At that time, he was the provincial of the Augustinians in his region. Uh, he had 300 men under his uh, authority and he was a doctor of theology, so he was a significant figure in the church. But on this retreat, he started to hear what he knew was the voice of God saying to him, you have done many things, but you do not love me. And he said, no, of course not. That's ridiculous. Look at what I've done, listing off the works that he's done for God in the life of the church. And he hears the voice again, but you do not love me. And so finally he surrenders to this voice and goes to confession. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I do not love God, nor do I love anybody else. I don't have love. And the confessor said to him, this is a big grace you are having. Because the Lord is helping you to see all your false securities. And he wants to draw you into a deep place 
where you love him alone. That he is your first love. The next day on the retreat, they had the opportunity of being prayed over for the Holy Spirit. And so he said when he was being prayed over, he, the, one of the priests that was praying for him quoted the text from St. Augustine, Late have I loved you, O beauty so ancient and so new. Late have I loved you. I was within you, but you were outside of me. You fell on the beautiful things of my creation. And they wouldn't have existed if they were not in me. But then I broke through your deafness. And I, I took away your blindness. And now, deep within yourself, you pant, you long for me. And he said, as that beautiful prayer was being, was being said, it was just touched deep in his spirit. And the Holy Spirit filled him. He was weeping and full of joy and full of love. He said, I've been a blind Pharisee until that point when I received this Pentecost experience, even though he'd already been a priest for 20 or 30 years. He said, I'd had a heart like rock and I didn't know it. But now the love of God was poured into my heart by the Holy Spirit. Now he was a theologian. He was a canon lawyer. He was in charge of the pastoral organisation, of a large organisation of the church. He said, all those things were nothing. Because when I received the love of God into my heart, and allowed his love to saturate my heart, everything became new, and I knew Pentecost. That was his first Pentecost experience. But what I really wanted to tell you about was his second Pentecost experience. And that happened after he became a bishop of this small diocese down along the Amazon in, in Brazil. And in his uh, diocese, there's um, a lot of human, human trafficking going on. They have these drug rings and they traffic these women uh, to become prostitutes. And there's police, there's businessmen, there's politicians involved in it. They snatch the girls from school oftentimes, really young ones. They send them off to be prostitutes in French Guiana. And he had to expose it. He could not speak and be silent. He had to speak. And so he spoke, spoke publicly and denounced it and denounced the police, denounced the politicians. And then he became terrified because he received a death threat, a public death threat, that he was going to be put to death. And that's, of course, what they do. So he told us that he was absolutely terrified. That he knelt before the Lord and asked for the grace and the courage. Asked for the grace to continue on and the courage not to give up in this witness that he was in, engaging in. And he said at that time the devil was tempting him, saying, oh, you're a good bishop. You preach retreats, because he's a very charismatic bishop now, and he had you know, 130,000 people coming to his retreats. You, you don't have to speak out against these drug lords. You're fine. You're doing a great job. And if you speak out against them, you, it'll be no good. No good for you, no good for the church. He said, that was the voice of the enemy. He said, then I heard the voice of God saying to me, actually, I don't want you to be a good bishop. I want you to be a pastor. 
Your people are being wounded, hurt, sold into slavery. It's time for you to stand up. I want you to stand up in me. And he said at that point, he experienced the Spirit of God again. His second Pentecost. He said, the Spirit of the Lord anointed me. He anointed me with power. He anointed me with courage to witness. With courage to be strong. He said, I I was baptised again, as it were. To be ready to die for the faith. It was a second baptism. He said, like, I was ready to face death now, if that was necessary. And he said, people started asking me, are you afraid? And he said, yes, I used to think of death a lot. And you'd see see the curtains moving in his his home. you think, maybe someone's behind the curtain, ready to shoot me. Uh, Or he'd be driving down the river, uh, as lots of, uh, on the boat as they had to do to sort of visit his people. And then another boat would be approaching and said, maybe this is it. Maybe they're the ones who are going to have the guns to do me in. He said, yes, I think about it a lot. But I'm no longer afraid. I'm no longer afraid. Uh, because the power of the Spirit is upon me. And I I say to God in my prayer, if you call me to die for you, that day will be the happiest day of my life. To give my life for the abandoned sheep. I was really touched by that. I was looking at a living martyr. Someone willing to give his life for Jesus and for what is right and true. Blessed are those who are persecuted in the cause of righteousness, Jesus said. One gospel says for the cause of righteousness, the other says for the sake of my name. In this case it was for the cause of righteousness and for the sake of the name of Jesus. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the cause of righteousness. Theirs will be the kingdom of God. So my friends, I don't know whether you found this to be good news or bad news, but The truth is, it's a season for martyrs. Are you ready? (laughs) It's a season for witnessing to the faith. It's a season too for holding firm and strong in what is true and righteous and good in humanity. It's a time for our own lives to speak. And Jesus promises when he sent the apostles out, he he didn't promise they'd have a rose garden, but he said, I'll be with you. I'll be with you until the end of the age. Yes, I'll be with you. And and this gospel today tells us, and your endurance will win your lives. Your endurance, your fortitude. Fortitude is a gift from God. It's a grace that's given to us to be able to stand and endure through any trial or tribulation, any difficulty, any persecution. Any way in which we're put down for our faith, any way in which we seem to be sort of laughed at and mocked and ridiculed, we stand firm and strong in Jesus. That's what Jesus promises. Your lives, he says. The one who stands to the end will be saved. So let's pray for a second Pentecost. I've received my first Pentecost experience many years ago. I think I need a second Pentecost. For these times, to be able to stand in these days, 
You need it even when you go to work, some of you, because you get ridiculed. You need a second Pentecost. And we all need it, right? So that I'll no longer be afraid to be who I am. No longer afraid to give an account of the hope that is within me, whose name is Jesus. No longer afraid of anything that people can throw against me. Let's stand firm and strong in the Lord and pray for that in this Mass. As Jesus says, your endurance. You know, that's what matters, your endurance. That you'll persevere through. A lot of people have given up under the pressure. A lot of people have given in to the world and its ways. Because the secular thinking is so strong and, and, and so, so persistently attacking all that we hold true and good and beautiful. But God is God and his rule is forever. And let his kingdom come and his will be done in our lives and the lives of all our brothers and sisters uh, and the lives of all our brothers and sisters in humanity. We pray for that every day. Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done on earth. Yes, let's really mean it and let's put our lives on the line. Every time we come to the Eucharist, uh, we, we, we hear those words, this is my body given for you. Jesus put his body on the line for us as he hung on that cross to redeem humanity. And he wants us to be able to put our bodies on the line. So this is my body given. Given over, Lord. My whole life given over. My whole life surrendered to you and given for the sake of your people, Lord. Whatever it is your purpose and your mission in my life, they'll be sustained by you and I'll give generously and give until it hurts. And I bless your holy name.